Today I want to talk to you about how the living spirit of God communicates with human beings. And if you would like to open up your Bibles, um, please do so to Romans 8.16. But first, I want to tell you about a parrot and a man named John who walked into a pet store to buy some dog food. An innocent John walked by the parrot sitting on his little perch near the door, and the parrot said to John, Brock, you are the ugliest human being I have ever seen. And John looked at the parrot. He looked behind the counter at the owner, and the owner stomped out from behind the counter, and he went up to the parrot, and he said, Listen, parrot, I told you to stop talking to the customers that way. Don't talk to the customers that way again. And John decided to go on his merry way, and he went up and down the aisles looking for his dog food, and he finally found it. And on the way to the counter, he had to pass by that parrot again, and the parrot again said, Brock, you are the ugliest human being I have ever seen. And John put his hands on his hips and looked at the owner, and the owner came marching out back from behind his counter, and he picked up the parrot and he smacked the parrot around and feathers were flying everywhere. And he said, I told you to never say that again to the customers. And he put the parrot back on his perch and he said, no, you be quiet. So John paid for his dog food. And on the way out the door, he kind of looked over at the parrot. And the parrot looked at him and the parrot said, Brock, you know. This week, Satan has been that parrot for me. And sometimes Satan is that parrot for each one of us. And he likes to remind us of our inadequacies. He likes to remind us of our past sins and our past mistakes. And the reason that that was really important to me this week is because, uh, as Renee mentioned, I used to be a pastor. In fact, this is the first time in 19 years that... I have stood in the pulpit. I fell away, and uh, I never expected to come back. And I'm going to tell you today that the reason that I came back was because the Holy Spirit spoke to me directly. And I do pray that by the time I'm done speaking here today, that you'll remember a time or two when the Holy Spirit spoke directly to you, because He has spoken directly to each one of us throughout our lives, but the book of Job says that we don't perceive it. God speaks to us, but we don't perceive it. And the reason we don't perceive it is because he speaks to us spirit to spirit. And we're used to hearing communication and seeing communication through our flesh senses. So this last couple of weeks as I was preparing, I was especially praying and asking God, please, Give me the assurance that my sins are forgiven. And the assurance that I relied on was the promises from the Word of God. The promises that say, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, there's a difference between following after the Spirit and falling flat on your face. There's a difference between that and actually turning your back on the Spirit, right? And that's why John says, those who practice sin and say that they're Christians are liars. But he, he, he also says 
If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we sin and we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why is that? It's because there's a difference between practicing following the Spirit and following after the Spirit and, and falling on your face and turning around. There's a big difference. So if you are following after the Spirit, you can expect that God is going to work with you. He is going to communicate with you. And one of the evidences of this that, I, that really impresses me is in Galatians. We don't need to look it up, uh, but you can look it up later if you want to. It's in Galatians chapter 2. And Paul is talking about how Peter was the apostle set aside by God to go to the circumcision or the Jewish believers, whereas Paul was set aside by God to go specifically to the non-Jewish or Gentile believers. And we know from Scripture that Peter was a, an incredible man of God. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He received visions from God. He was a mighty preacher on Pen the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people were uh, converted and baptized uh, at that time. And yet even the apostle Peter, when certain believers came out from James and told the Jewish Christians that they still had to separate themselves from the Gentile Christians, the old part of Peter crept up where Peter wanted the approval of people around him, and Peter himself slunk away from the Gentile believers and refused to eat with them. And Paul says in Galatians 2, I had to rebuke him to his face. And the reason that I give you this is because, yes, Receiving the Spirit and having the Spirit work through you is contingent on our dedicated obedience to God. But remember that there is room for mistakes. There's room for sins that we confess. Now, I'm not saying it's okay to sin. That's not what I'm saying. You know that's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to help you to understand is that sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit is only going to use people who are perfect who are just incredibly holy. And here we have an example in Peter, who really was about as close to perfect as you can get. He was an apostle and worked all these mighty miracles, and yet he himself, at times, fell. He sinned. I mean, it's quite a sin to turn away from other believers and say, I'm not going to eat with you. That's, that's a real problem. And Paul himself had to uh, rebuke him. So that's just to say, yes, God can still use you, even though uh, you're not perfect. So, Romans 8.16 is the verse that uh, I came across right after the Holy Spirit spoke to me, which was almost uh, two years ago. And it says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, here's what happened. Um, I had fallen away and gone through a period where I didn't really have faith at all. I, I just had gotten to the point where I said, you know, I think evolution must be true. I think that the idea that God created life is, is probably just a lot of nonsense. I mean, there's some really smart people who, who believe that. Uh, and then I kind of went through, you know, faith is, is definitely not static, and our beliefs are not static, especially, you know, when you're, when you're struggling and you're trying to figure out what, what truth is. But about two years ago, I was standing in my living room, and I became aware of the presence of God in a way that I never had since and in a way that I have not since then. But it was very obvious to me 
that the, the Spirit of God was speaking directly to my consciousness. And he did not use words. And I can try and describe it in physical terms because that's what we're used to experiencing is physical sensations, right? But I want to make clear there was nothing physical about it except maybe my brain neurons firing, I don't know. Uh, but it was so palpable that it felt physical. It felt as if my consciousness had expanded to the size of the whole planet Earth and then expanded to the size of the Milky Way galaxy. And in the space of about one second, the Holy Spirit like opened up my brain like a gas tank and put in about three pages worth of information. So the words that I use are my, my own words, but the Holy Spirit communicated to me without words, without language. The first thing that he said is, I exist. Believe in me. I love you. And if you continue going in the direction that you're going, you will put yourself in a position where you will no longer have ears to hear me. I will be speaking to you, but you will not be able to hear me and you will be lost. Uh, interestingly enough, I was not terrified. All I felt was love. It was a very serious warning. I recognized it as a warning, but it was love. It, it was him saying, this is your choice. You can choose to continue in the pathway that you're going, or you can choose to trust in me and receive Christ as your personal Savior. Well, I, the first thing I thought, I was standing there in my living room stunned, and I was kind of looking around for something that made sense uh, because this was such a different form of, of communication. And the first thing that I thought was, how, God, how do I know this is you speaking to me? Not that I was questioning, I knew God was speaking to me. And my question is, how do I know that I know? And his, resp his response was, I created your consciousness. I can make you know whatever I want you to know. And it was just an incredibly powerful experience, and I realized he, he, he's waiting for a response from me. And so I went up to my office, and I got on my knees, and I repented. And I said, Lord, please come into my life. Because after 17 years of faithlessness, and after, seven, <laughs> after 17 years of, of, of facing the emptiness of no hope beyond the grave and realizing that all of the things in life that make us enthusiastic and that give us joy and that make us want to keep living because a few years before that I had gotten to the point where I really was just facing family sickness and things going on in my life that I, I really got to the point where I just I never got suicidal but I really got to the point where I started to think I wish I could go to sleep and just not wake up because there's nothing really that makes sense. If we get to the end of this life and it's lights out, who cares? Who cares what's happening right now? If, if there's an end to it, if life is just a short cradle rocking between two eternities of darkness, get it over with, you know? And that's how I felt. And the Holy Spirit, when he started speaking to me, 
let me know. I'm speaking to you now after 17 years of you wandering around and me letting you do whatever it is that you felt you needed to do so that you can have this contrast so that you can make the decision. And I said, yes, Lord, I want to have you in my life. And since then, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me because he's given me an ear to hear and he's given you an ear to hear. Sometimes we don't understand the voice of the Spirit because we're not used to receiving Spirit communications in our spirit. But that's what this verse is talking about. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, it doesn't matter what the message is that the Spirit is giving you. In this verse, it's talking about him telling us that you are the children of God. The Holy Spirit can give you any message he wants to give you. But the point that I want to focus on today is that it's the Holy Spirit testifies. What is testifying? It's him communicating. He's communicating with your spirit. So we're not used to uh, this type of communication, which is exactly why God works miracles. And we'll get to that in, in, in just a, a few minutes. But first, I want to give you a few verses. There are many, many more. You could probably think of some yourself that really clearly show that Jesus made a difference between the flesh and the spirit. There is the physical and there's the non-physical. And this is the two basic understandings that we have to have in order to begin to recognize when the Holy Spirit is communicating with our spirit. So the first verse that I want to get to is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And I don't mind if you get out your smartphones. Um, that's actually my favorite, favorite way to uh, look up Scripture. And if you have a smartphone and you don't have a... Um, uh, copy of the Bible on your smartphone, I want to suggest that you go to the App Store and you download Bible Gateway um, because it will allow you to look up the same verse in about 25 different English versions and you can type in different words. So if you want to do a word study on spirit, for example, you just type in the word spirit and it will give you all the verses in the Bible depending on the version that you choose, that have the word spirit in it. And you'll, the more skilled you get with doing word studies like that, the more interesting uh, you'll find doing topical uh, studies on. So anyhow, um, open your Bibles or your smartphone um, program to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And here Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and what Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus to understand is that religion is not about learning uh, what the theory of truth is, because Nicodemus was a leader in Israel, just like many ministers today, and they know a lot of theology. But the truth is more than just an idea that you can uh, write down on paper with ink, right? The truth is alive. The truth is intelligent. The truth is God himself. Jesus said, I am the truth. So if truth is more than just a theory, then we have to be willing to receive a living being into, uh, into our very being in order to really truly have the truth. And so this is what uh, happened in John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. Why did he know that? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And if your spirit is born of the Holy Spirit, you're going to act like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit... Uh, blows this way and that way and has that intention and that goal and you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going but you can feel its effects well when the human spirit in flesh we're just talking about the sanctuary today uh, and Jesus is the veil of the sanctuary and God was living uh, in him and I was thinking another application of that is we are the sanctuary for God so our flesh is a veil to the most holy place where the Spirit resides in our spirit. That's God's original intention. With this, we have the Spirit controlling the soul, controlling the body. The Spirit, which is the intentions, the overall goals of our heart, controls our thoughts and controls our emotions, which is supposed to control our body. And the devil likes to turn that upside down so that the desires of the flesh control the mind and the emotions, and the Spirit is basically asleep or dead. Uh, or it's completely corrupted, uh, or people who are sophisticated and educated might have the, their mind, their thoughts, you know, uh, false science, uh, so-called, or their emotions controlling the body, but the spirit is supposed to be at the top. That's how God originally designed us. And so the spirit is, is controlling the other aspects of our holistic being, and the Holy Spirit is informing uh, our spirit. So this is what Jesus is trying to teach. Turn a couple of pages to John uh, chapter 6, verse 63. And again, I'm just pointing out that Jesus made this very uh, clear distinction between the physical and the non-physical, or the flesh and the spirit. So uh, verse 63 says, It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So Jesus is saying it's the words that I have spoken to you. And of course, it is with our mind and with our consciousness, with even our emotions to some extent, that we understand words. And Jesus is saying the words that I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. They are the real thing. In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he's making a distinction between the flesh and the spirit. And if we understand this distinction, we begin to understand how the Holy Spirit communicates sometimes directly to our spirit. The Holy Spirit will also communicate to us through our flesh senses, because that's what we're used to. And this is one of the reasons why in different times in history that you will find a lot of miracles being worked, because we're used to understanding and seeing and, and, and receiving communication through our flesh senses, through our eyes, through our ears, through our, our, our smeller and our taster and our fingers. And so God will work miracles, but the point that he's uh, getting to is to get us to open up our spirit in faith 
to the Holy Spirit. So let me give you um, one of the, well, let me give you another example here of this actually, uh, the disciples actually um, talking about how the Holy Spirit is communicating. And that's in Acts chapter 5. We're going to look up uh, probably another eight verses here. So I hope that you um, enjoy looking up verses. And if you want to, just feel free to get out your note program and, and write these verses down. And also, uh, you can write them down too if you want to look them up a little bit later. If you don't really want to look them up right now, Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. When they had brought them, this is talking about the high council, the high Jewish council had brought the disciples. They stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, in the name of Jesus. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. What I want you to notice here is that he's saying we are witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was witnessing to the high council. How was he witnessing to the high council? In many ways, but especially the Holy Spirit was witnessing to their spirit, saying, I'm convicting you that these men are teaching the truth. Um, we like to think that miracles would convince us, and if we could see enough miracles, uh, then we wouldn't have a problem with faith. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that's really not true. A few weeks after the Holy Spirit spoke to me, the idea came to me, what if that was just a hallucination of some kind? I instantly rejected that thought by the grace of God because I said, I am never, ever going back. I'm going to trust in Jesus with all of my heart, and I'm never going to allow the devil to get into my head again and tell me that God doesn't exist. I'm not going to do it because there's nothing there. And so I resisted it because I realized perfect assurance is not compatible with faith. What I mean by that is there's always going to be room for doubt. God wants us to receive the gift of faith and to exercise it. And exercising it means, you know what, even though I could think of a way to doubt this, I'm not going to. I'm going to choose to to believe. And the point I'm trying to make there is that with the Jewish leaders, they had seen so many miracles. They had seen Christ raise the dead. And when some of the Pharisees who had been there when Lazarus was raised from the dead, uh, when they saw it, they ran back to the council. And what was the response of the council? Hmm, maybe we should reconsider that Jesus might really be the Messiah that we've been looking for. No, they started plotting how they're going to kill him. Well, now we got to get rid of him and Lazarus. They were so committed to their unbelief that it didn't really matter what miracles uh, were worked. Now, something similar happened to me uh, this week. Um, because I had been praying and relying on the Word, and, and when I read the Word, the Holy Spirit does bring that conviction to, to my spirit, and, and I know that this is the Word of God. And so this is all I need. And yet there are times when I feel weak, and so last week I said, Lord, if, if you... Don't mind, if it's not doubt to ask, I pray that you would please speak to me directly in a different way too. 
Uh, and, and then I just forgot about it because I figured, you know, the word is enough and uh, that's all I need. But on Wednesday, I was watching a YouTube video like I do. I usually watch an hour or two of YouTube videos at night. And I'm almost always watching uh, religious stuff because I'm very curious to hear what the Lord is saying through other people. And it's really fascinating to hear the different perspectives. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will grab a gem and say, yep, that's, that's, uh, that's for you. And I check what I'm hearing from the scriptures and, and I see things in a new light. And, and it, it just makes uh, the spiritual life, the divine life, one of continual advancement. And, and it's, it's exciting to me. So I'm listening to this preacher, and uh, to prepare for this sermon, I was uh, watching all of the different YouTube videos on hearing the voice of God. And I don't tend to watch charismatic preachers, uh, just because if they're trying to get overly emotional and, you know, they're naming people in the audience and stuff, I, it seems kind of hokey to me, and so I, I, I don't listen to those type of preachers. I listen to the types of preachers who will get out the Bible and uh, actually quote Scripture. And that's what this man did for a good half an hour. He had some really good information about how to hear the Holy Spirit. And then out of the blue, he says, there's a minister watching right now who fell away. And you need to know that your sins are forgiven. And that was it. And then he went on with this, just out of the blue. And I was like, I didn't cry. I, I didn't come to tears at that point because honestly, I was incredulous. I was like, uh, what? What did I just hear? Well, that's crazy. So I went ahead and stopped the video and I looked at the stats and I found that this video was posted in 2015. Well, obviously, this guy doesn't know me and there's no, I mean, that was seven years ago, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm skeptical, like a lot of you are. And that's okay. That's a good thing. We, we need to test everything by the scriptures, right? Test, test the spirits. Uh, and I thought, well, it's possible that this guy is one of those preachers who just names random stuff and just kind of figures that sooner or later some minister who fell away is going to be listening, right? Uh, and then the next morning when I was in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, is it possible that I could send you that? Like, obviously, the guy didn't know. But is it possible that I could have put that in, in your queue for you? And I was like, well, yeah, I suppose that's possible. And, and then Friday morning, uh, I was praying, and that's when the Holy Spirit brought his conviction. And the, the words of Jesus in Matthew 9, 29 came to me, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And the Holy Spirit brought his conviction and said, I put that there for you. In answer to your prayer. And if I give you an answer to prayer, and then you say, ah, uh, you know, that, that's, that's giving in to, to unbelief. So I think it's important that we understand that when we ask God to communicate with us and he does communicate with us, then we go ahead and we choose to uh, receive it. I have a few more verses um, to get to, but I, along those lines, do you mind if I share your dream story? Okay. So my wife Stephanie's here, and I'm tearing up because she's tearing up. <laughs> so praise God. Uh, but this was uh, a year ago in January, so a little over a year ago. Uh, she was really heartbroken over something, and, and she, she was in tears. And uh, the thought came to me um, to pray for her and ask God to give her a dream. And... Um, so I asked her, I said, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you? And, and, you know, God can communicate with you, and you're in such a state right now. I, I really, 
uh, believe, you know, God, when we are empty, when we are at our worst and when we are broken and at the end of our rope, uh, God frequently likes to step in. And it's because we're ready at that time, you know. So I said, do you mind if I pray and ask God to give you a dream um, tonight? And her response was, uh, I, I, don't, I don't ever remember my dreams. And I said, that's okay. I need your permission. Can I just pray and ask God to, to give you a dream? And she was a little skeptical. And I said, it's okay if he says no. You know, why can't we experiment with prayer? Why can't we ask our Heavenly Father for things, knowing that if it's not good for us or if it's not what we need, he'll say no. But if it is what we need, he'll say yes. So I've asked him to give me dreams, and he hasn't given me any dreams. He gave me a dream one time when I was four years old of the second coming of Christ, and it impressed me so much, it gave me the motivation to learn how to read because I wanted to read the Bible for myself. But that's the only time that the Lord has ever uh, given me a dream, um, and, and uh, that's okay. Um, he's not called me to be a prophet, just a preacher. So, and just because he gives you a dream doesn't mean you're a prophet, right? Because my wife will tell you she's not a prophet. But he did give her a dream. Uh, we woke up the next morning, and I looked over at her, and she looked over at me, and the first thing she said is, I had a dream last night. And I asked her what the dream was about, and it was a symbolic dream that was uh, specifically for her. It also spoke to me. But the dream was of her in a living room looking out a picture window, and there was a lion looking in the picture window, and she said he had human eyes. And I said, what do you mean he had human eyes? She said, I saw a, uh, I can't remember the words that she used, but I saw intelligence and a diabolical motivation. And the, of course, the first thing that we thought of was Satan walks about as a, as a roaring lion. And she saw a couple of her dear loved ones who were outside uh, behind this lion who I believe the Lord was using symbol. He was representing Satan in symbolic form, and the lion got a smile on his face and like he was mocking Stephanie. And then he turned and he lunged at her loved ones, and that was the end of the dream. And I said, "Wow!" And then we both said, "What if it was just a dream?" And then we both said, "We're not going to do that." We asked God for a dream, and He gave you a dream. And the reason I bring that up is because when you hear stories like that, sometimes it's easy to say, man, I wish that would happen to me. But I'm telling you, when it happens to you, the devil comes right alongside you and says, yeah, what if, and this not true, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's because we have a choice, whether we're going to receive the gift of faith or whether we're going to refuse it and say, I'm not going to believe that God is big enough to actually answer my prayers. But he is, and he will if it's what you need in the moment. And so I do encourage you to experiment with your prayer life, experiment with the divine life, because we are on this divine life journey because we want to advance, right? We want to know more. We want to learn more. We want to gain more power for the Lord Jesus Christ. We do. We want the Holy Spirit to fall on us so that we can actually uh, come to people who are in need and lay hands on them and say, God, heal this person so that they can have faith too and have that happen just like it did in the New Testament. And that time is coming and now is. There are people being healed. Miracles are being worked. I just heard one here at this church a few weeks ago with that 
young man and his physician's assistant wife, he had scientific evidence up there right on the screen about he had a horrible heart attack and he had, uh, yeah, what's his name? Russell Palmer, Palmer, yeah. Uh, And his wife, who's a physician's assistant, was there giving her medical opinion and he's received medical opinions from cardiologists saying there is no medical explanation for this. I I can't go into the details, but the point I'm trying to make is that God does and still is working miracles and he will work miracles through you. If you ask and you pray and you say, Lord, put me on that journey and help me to get to the point where I have that kind of faith and I know when to ask and when not to ask and I am able to ask and if you say no, it's not going to hurt my faith. Um, Before we end, uh, we still have 10 minutes here. I want to look up a few more verses, but I'm going to tell you a story uh, that just happened to me recently where God did heal somebody uh, in direct answer uh, to a prayer. So um, let me let, let's just go to uh, John chapter 14 because John 14, 15, and 16 are really the gems for understanding the Holy Spirit. Um, that and the whole chapter of Romans 8. I know we're only looking at one verse in Romans 8. Uh, But if you want to read, uh, I think the Spirit is mentioned a dozen times in Romans chapter 8. And if you study it prayerfully and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand, you'll learn a tremendous amount of how the Holy Spirit works. So in John chapter uh, 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not what? It can't see him or know him, but you know him. Notice he didn't tell the disciples, you see and know him. He didn't say that. He said, you know him. The world can't know him because it can't see him, but you can't see him either, but you know him. Why? Because the disciples were aware of the difference between the flesh and the spirit, and they were open to receiving communication from the spirit to their spirit. So Jesus said, you you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now jump over to chapter 16 here, and I want you to notice something in in 7 and 8. Chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. Jesus said, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So does the Holy Spirit communicate with the world too? Absolutely. Does the world receive him? No. They don't like what he has to say, and so they say all that spirit stuff is nonsense. We're just going to ignore that. You can't see that. That's You guys believe in miracles and the Spirit of God and all this stuff, and uh, you guys are a little nuts. And, okay, well, that makes sense if you're just going to rely on your material senses, but this is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today, because I was a Christian for many years, and really my comprehension of this was... Uh, worse than looking in a tarnished mirror or, or, or a dark glass. It, I, I knew the Holy Spirit convicted people, but I just thought, you know, that happened like when you were saved or something. And, and uh, you know, if it happened after that, maybe once a year or something. But now I realize the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is interested in communicating with our spirits on a daily basis. We, we can't... Uh, we don't, we don't control him, he controls us. We don't use the Holy Spirit, he uses us. Let's be clear about that. So I have heard preachers who, who say they've come up with methods where God will communicate with them 100% of the time. I haven't found one of those. 
uh, because I've discovered that the Holy Spirit, um, most of the time, I'd say 80, 90 percent of the time when I'm in prayer on a daily basis, I don't receive any uh, of those, um, you know, powerful convictions where I know, okay, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now. Uh, and that's okay. But I will say that every time that I pray, sooner or later an answer comes. Frequently it comes through studying the scriptures. That's the most important way that the, that the Holy Spirit will communicate. But let me tell you, without the Holy Spirit, this is just ink on paper. There's a lot of Bible scholars who read this book and come away going, oh, that was uh, interesting or not. You know, but they don't realize that, that this is a book that the Holy Spirit actually speaks through. So definitely uh, find the answers here. But frequently the Holy Spirit will uh, speak to you in unexpected ways. And you'll know, you'll know by conviction that this is something more than just coincidence. This is something uh, that is supernatural where the Holy Spirit is allowing you to have a real communicative relationship with you. But what I want to no you to notice here in these two verses is that even though Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was coming and that he was going to send him if he went, look again at the verses in chapter 14, verse uh, 17. It says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not uh, see him or know him, but you know him. Why? Well, you know him right now. And, th and this is before Jesus supposedly sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he will be in you. So he said, you know him. Why? Because he abides with you and he's going to be in you. So the reason that Jesus had to go away is because the disciples were more dependent on their flesh senses. And as long as Jesus was with them and they could see him and hear him like a normal human being and touch him, that's where all of their focus was going. But had, hadn't the Holy Spirit been with them the whole time? Didn't Jesus give them authority to cast out demons and uh, raise the sick? That's what he told them when he sent the 70 out on their missionary journey. Go raise the sick, heal, uh, heal the, or excuse me, raise the dead, heal the sick, uh, cast out demons. That all was happening by the Holy Spirit. So he was saying the Holy Spirit is with you already, but you don't recognize him. This is the same for us today. This happens to us today. The Holy Spirit is with us, walking right beside us, and we don't realize that He's with us. And once we realize He's with us all the time, that's when He comes into us. That's when we really begin to understand, oh, He is here all the time. It's the same way with the Father. Okay, go a few verses up at the beginning of John chapter uh, 14. And I want you to notice here, starting with verse 7, what Jesus has to say with Philip. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father like Yahweh showed his feet to the 70 elders of Israel on Mount Sinai. When God came down on Mount Sinai and cloaked himself in darkness and 70 of the elders of Israel went up with uh, Moses and they saw his feet because they needed something. They needed some kind of flesh input in order for them to begin to understand that God wants to communicate from within. He wants to communicate uh, with our spirit. And so Philip says, okay, show us the Father, Lord, and, and it'll be enough for us. But Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, 
I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying, now, does the Father have a form, according to the Bible? Yes, uh, Daniel 7. He's called the Ancient of Days, and he has hair like white like wool, and the Son of Man was brought to the, the throne of, of the Father. And someday we will see with our flesh eyes. But what Jesus is trying to say here is the most important part of the Father is what you see, not with your flesh eyes, but with your spirit. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And if you can't believe just because of my words, Jesus said, believe at least because of my works. And of course, he was talking about all of his works, but his miracles too. So this is, this is why uh, works are given. And uh, for the sake of time, we'll read one more verse, and then I'm going to share a, a story with you. And, and then we'll close with a song uh, in the garden. And the verse I want to share with you is 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse 17. And I want you to notice especially verse 24, because this is a great description of why we should be praying for God to work miracles through us for others, and why we may sometimes want to ask God to work miracles on behalf of us. Um, now, it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and he said, Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray you let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And, El and Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is why the Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out on each one of us so that the message of the truth of the love of God can be given Wait, so that people can open up their spirits and receive the Holy Spirit and, and, and be saved. So, I know all of us have prayed uh, for people, and sometimes the Lord says yes, and sometimes the Lord said no, and I just want to end with a time that the Lord said yes recently. I had a friend from high school, I'll call her Ann, and uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus a couple of years ago, I texted her along with several other people and said, hey, I, I've become a Christian, and I just want you all to know that. Um, and uh, she didn't text me back, or, or I didn't hear from her at all until I think it was maybe eight months ago. Uh, so maybe a year after I'd you know, originally texted her. And she said, hey, can I call you? and talk to you. And I said, well, sure. So she called me 
and she uh, she's my age, 52, and uh, she said, um, you know, I've never had a history of hallucinations or anything like that, but uh, about a year ago, I started hearing voices. And she said, um, the doctors have put me on six different antipsychotics, uh, not all at once, but they've, you know, tried different medications. They haven't worked. She said, it's, it's so horrible. I hear them from the moment I wake up in the morning until the moment I go to bed and sleep is the only, uh, the only respite I get. And she said, I have to take a double dose of my medication just to get to sleep. And she said, I was so angry and, and frustrated and, and upset that I just can't get relief because they're mean, angry voices, she said. And um, even while she was talking to me on the phone, she, uh, she started to get delusional. And she said, do, do, do you think they can hear us? Do, do you think they can hear our conversation? And I said, no, I don't think they can hear our conversation. I think, you know, we're okay. Um, but she wasn't so sure. And so I asked her some questions about her occult involvement. She didn't have any that, that she could think of. I said, have you ever messed with a Ouija board or anything like that? And she said, no. Um, she didn't think it was that. And she told me about how she had had some really horrible stress in her life uh, the year before. Her daughter had had her grandson. And uh, the daughter had gotten involved uh, with drugs, and the state had taken away the, the child, my, my friend Ann's grandson. And my friend Ann was uh, petitioning the state to try and get custody of her grandson, who had been placed in foster care, and her daughter was now in jail. And I said, man, that's a horrible situation. And um, she said she had gotten to the point a few months ago where she had taken a huge dose of her medication uh, because she just wanted to end it all. And then she had gotten scared and called 911, and they had taken her to a mental hospital where she had spent 12 days. And uh, they felt that she was okay to leave, and so she did. But she said, I'm calling you because you said that you were a Christian, and I wanted you to, to pray for me. And um, I said, I would love to pray for you. And um, I said, uh, let's go ahead and pray. And I prayed with her over the phone. And I just prayed and asked God to take away these voices. And when I uh, got done praying, I said, can you still hear the voices? And in a defeated voice, she said, yes, I can still hear the voices. And by the grace of God, I did not lose faith at all. And I said, well, sometimes God says no, and sometimes he says yes, and sometimes it takes time. And uh, I don't know why, and, and, but I do know this, and I said, I know that God does not want you to be tortured like this. And I said, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Sometimes it takes time. And I called her the next day, and I said, are the voices gone? And she said, no, they're still here. And I said, well, I'm going to keep praying for you, and I'll keep checking in on you. Well, about three months after that, um, I had had a really tough weekend. Um, I'd gone to Lincoln, Nebraska to visit my son, who, who also has uh, some issues. And um, it had not been a nice encounter, and it really kind of put me into a tailspin. And uh, I woke up the next morning and was getting ready to go home, come, come back home to Colorado. And I just prayed, and I said, Lord, I could really, really use some encouragement today. And on the way home, Ann called me. And she said, 
I was just sitting here thinking about how wonderful it is that I am not hearing the voices anymore. And she said, I know it was God. I know it was because you prayed for me, and I know that it was God. And of course, I let her know it's not anything to do with me. And I said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And sometimes it takes time for your faith to build up. And I said, maybe it took some time for you to get to the point where you were ready to trust God. And I said, when did this happen? When, when did the voices go away? And she said, about six weeks ago. I said, really, what happened? What were you doing? And she said, I wasn't doing, I was cleaning the house or something, and all of a sudden they just disappeared. And uh, she said, I'm sorry I didn't call you sooner. I, I, I didn't think about it today. And I realized God was communicating to me through the timing of her call. What does the Bible say? It says that God can turn the heart of the king any way he wants to. He can impress anybody any way he wants to. Of course, he doesn't violate choice. He doesn't violate uh, our, our ability to reject him if, if that's what we choose. Uh, but God can definitely impress. And that's what he did that day. He impressed her to call me. And man, what an encouragement that was. I said, praise God. And I prayed with her. And I know that the reason that God did that was to draw her closer. And you can pray for her. Uh, I just uh, uh, texted her last week and I asked her if she was getting closer to God. And she said, well, I don't feel like because he made the voices go away that I've gotten any closer to God. Uh, and, and that's just evidence that, you know, sometimes we have a hard time going from those miracles that, that are tangible to the place where we can open up our spirit um, to receive communication from the Holy Spirit. So pray for her that the Lord will give her an ear to hear and pray for yourselves that God will give you an ear to hear because without the Holy Spirit working the miracle of giving us an ear to hear him, we won't be able to hear him. So I pray that as the Lord seeks you, that you will respond to him and seek him back because if you do, uh, he, he will continue to reveal himself more and more to you and your joy is going to continue to increase.